Eat, Sleep, Shit, Repeat is an independent podcast. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we're recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This episode of Eat, Sleep, Shit, Repeat is brought to you by 7-Eleven's Shake Station. 7-Eleven, wonderfully easier. It's really, really, really hard as a non-parent to say to your friend who's a parent, you're neglecting me. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Shit, Repeat, the podcast all about the madness that is motherhood. I am Kelly McCarran. And I'm Kiri Searles, and I'm going to keep badgering you. If you have felt seen by any of our podcast episodes, we would mightily appreciate a rating and review wherever you're listening, because that's how we get the word out about our little pod that could and then it also allows us to continue to make it. Please. So that's that's all we ask. It takes a minute. Please rate and review something nice. Today on the pod, we are talking about friendship again. I mean, listen, there is so much to say about this topic. Our funny friendship dynamic episode went off. It was one of our, well, it was our most downloaded episode ever, which proves two things. Number one, female friendships are so important. They fuel and feed us in ways so many other relationships don't. And that's why shows based on friendships are literally like the most watched TV shows. So Such think about it. Point. Yes. Um, Sex in the City, Friends, Seinfeld. Big Bang, all Big about friendships. Bang. Okay, but I'm, I was looking at popular shows. I don't. I hate that that show was popular because it was so boring. Oh, see, I didn't. I really like Sheldon. He's no, funny. That's a that, that makes sense. Why? Because he's <laughs> awkward, and I am also awkward. No, but you like you remember how I called on the wedding episode, like the wedding planner that I hated in Byron. Like people called him like the McDonald's of Northern Rivers weddings. You're like. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm the McDonald's of pop culture? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the brutality. I literally the woke up and brutality. chose brutal you today. Violence today. I, did. I, I am violence. the McDonald's of pop culture. I think so. To name one other, I've never watched it religiously. I'm just saying if it's on, I appreciate Sheldon's humour. Yeah, I know. It's like. <laughs> no, say it. Say it. You're a little bit basic. Oh, yeah, we know that. Yeah, so I think it's We fine. know that. It's okay. It's yeah. okay to be basic. There's nothing. I'm a woo girl. I'm a basic bitch slash woo girl. Yeah. Anyway. You're not watching, um, you know, silent films or. Oh, definitely not. No. You're loving Sheldon not. and. Okay, I don't love Sheldon. Okay, I'm sorry. We've got wildly off track here <laughs> yet again. So number two. So number one, female friendships are so important and this one's in question now. Uh, <laughs> number two, friendship breakdowns are, they're actually our Roman empires. <gasps> Kelly McCarran, I just got chills. They are they our are. Roman Empire. So the whole Roman Empire TikTok trend was going off at the same time that this episode came out. And I got that many DMs from people saying, it is my Roman Empire. It is the one thing that I dwell on the most. Like, oh what happened? Gosh. What could I have done differently? And I was like, that is the most accurate thing I've ever heard. God, your followers are clever. Oh, they're a smart group. Oh, I didn't come up with it. I'm too basic. Um, <laughs> because it's something, friendship breakups in general are so common, yet they're so sad. And people don't feel like they can grieve a friendship breakdown the way that they can a romantic one, even though they're often more pivotal important in some ways. Oh, massively. Like... You know when you get in those really toxic spirals of just like about to head off to sleep and then you get this like intrusive thought. And remember it's like, that one thing. But remember that one time I that friendship, right? And you just like spiral all night long. Mm. That's how much like it rocks you to your core. Exactly. Which well, I really wanted to ask you, Kel, how you felt after you shared your story of your friendship breakup because I know – that you felt super sick on the day that it came out. I came over to record because we release our episodes on Wednesdays. We also record the week before, the Wednesday before. And you were rattled. Yeah, really rattled. I felt physically sick. And thank God you did come over yeah. because I just had the worst vulnerability hangover, more so than anything I've ever shared. It was and really I personal. It was so personal and it has just rocked me so much. Yeah. But the feedback from people saying, thank you so much, I still think about this all the time. And also, like, my friendship breakdown was nothing compared to some of the DMs I received. I was yeah. like, dear Lord. Isn't it interesting how, like, context can be so comforting? Like, someone saying, hey, this happened to me, here's my story, and you can realise, like, everyone goes through the same thing and some can be, you know, smaller but still have the same impact. impact. That, like, some you can feel be so seen. much bigger yeah. that it makes you go, 
oh my God, how did you ever get out of bed type thing? But you have to because what other choice do you have? What I thought was the most interesting thing about the feedback that you were getting is that you were actually hearing from Jessica's. So the the person in the situation who kind of pretty much was the reason for the friendship ending and they were like reforming by hearing your story and reaching out to the friend that they had kind of, you know, fucked over or whatever and oh. repairing that friendship, which I think well, that caught me off guard. I was not kind expecting, of expecting that. that. It that made me all. cry every single time I got a DM afterwards saying, hey, Kel, listen to the episode, reached out to this friend. Even if they hadn't done anything, but they had just fallen out over whatever at yeah. some point honestly just made my heart sing like and you know what not everyone got a response and they were like but you know what I apologized for whatever I'd done and I just it honestly just meant the world every single DM I got except for the DM from the sister but oh did I even tell you about that you did not tell me oh my gosh because I was wondering I didn't want to pry and I just don't think I even thought to ask after the episode had aired like two weeks later but like if you had heard from her, but obviously not from her, but her sister. Her sister reached out and sent me the crankiest message. And I just was like, it was just a very rude message. And she's not a rude person at all. And I was just like, I'd love to know what's been said about me. Because oh, sis, I've got the receipts. The thing about that is though, that I find so interesting is that like you hearing you, you were so balanced in everything that you were saying and you were still madly in love with this friend. Mm. It's not like it wasn't coming from a place of hate. It was coming from a place of love, which is so where I think we get stuck in these friendship breakdowns is even though you're heartbroken, you're still like really in love with the person. Yeah, And I actually said that to her. So I just said, because she was like, you've got no integrity or self-respect that you're talking about her, um, a bunch of other stuff. And I just, I wrote back very diplomatically, even though I had said other things in my head. <laughs> and I just said, you haven't listened to the episode clearly, which yeah. is fine. I would never expect you to, but you can't really judge the situation and call and say that to me when you haven't listened to the episode, because if you had, you would know that I have the utmost of respect Yeah, definitely for her. Um, and I also said, because she said, you need to stop talking about this. I'm like, firstly, it's the first time I bloody well have. Secondly, I said, it's not actually just about her. Yeah. It is about other people. And yeah. I'm talking about my own experiences, which I should be allowed to talk about. And I think sometimes when you aren't given the space to be able to talk about your experiences, that's when it actually becomes detrimental to you because it weighs heavily on you. Yeah. So it's good to talk about things in a respectful way. Exactly. Anyway, and then she just like love hearted it and didn't respond again because I didn't really give her anything. I was like, this is not a debate. Yeah. I'm not doing anything wrong and I won't be told otherwise. Yeah. Love um that. But anyway, so that was that. But, Kay, what are we talking about today? We thought that we should open up this conversation to someone who doesn't have any kids of her own and kind of listen to her perspective on how friendships can change and how it can feel being the single childless one in a sea of people who are breeding and getting hitched and all of the things. We are speaking to one of my dear friends, Anna, who not unlike Key, I met at work many, many years ago. And also not unlike Key, I didn't fancy that much to begin with. I thought she was very loud and annoying, which seems quite ironic, I am aware. Anna is the sort of friend that everyone needs. She's the friend that rocks up when you have gastro with medicine and icy poles. She's the friend that spends a day cooking home-cooked Italian feasts to fill up her friend's freezer after they've had a baby. And she's the friend who will always check in on others even when her own life is going tits up. We were all talking about an article in The Cut, and we're going to link it in the show notes that really spurred this conversation. It's called Adorable Little Detonators, Our Friendship Survived Bad Dates, Illness, Marriage and Fights, why can't it survive your baby? And I'm going to start by reading a few lines that I think are quite powerful and that Anna will have some thoughts on this article. So the quote is, she would text craving idle chit chat and her friend would respond with a photo of her child at the playground. Annoying at best, but it could also fill Sasha with a specific grief that threatened to overwhelm her. So that's at the start of the article and I think it really sets the tone for this conversation because it is achingly accurate and honest. Anna, like when I sent this to you this morning, you were like, lol, uh, someone sent this to me months ago. It's, you know, I've already read it. You are a born mother. You are the most maternal person I know. So talk to us about wanting kids, not having them, and so many people around you having them. 
What an intro. I got my period today, so I am very emotional. And like how you described me just then already makes me want to cry. So this could be a real roller coaster. Yes. I cry most episodes, so it's okay if you do. I cried at the intro and I've only just met you. So oh, way to bloody break us, Kel. Oh my God, this is going to be a ride. Yes, I am maternal. I do want children. I'm currently single, so it doesn't feel close in terms of, you know, it's not something that's going to happen soon. I don't want to do it on my own. I do want to do it with a partner. I also would like to say that I absolutely love every single one of the babies in my life. I am the proudest auntie to my niece. I am like seeing my friends become mothers has been one of the most precious things to experience yourself included, Kel. It's just that the, it does sometimes feel like you're not part of a club. It feels like when your friends have a baby, they become part of this club and and you're not in it. And no matter what I do, like I, I can't, I, I haven't had those experiences. I haven't been pregnant. I haven't carried a baby. I haven't given birth. I haven't experienced, you know, all of the things that you guys have talked about on this podcast. I've never experienced that. I've seen other people experience it, but I haven't. And mothers are so it is such a unique, incredible experience. And so many people will say to you, you you won't understand it until you go through it. And when you're someone who wants to and hasn't, that's really hard to hear. And it's, well, it's I never really. it's patronizing, isn't it? it well, here's the thing. It, it is, but it's also like, I would never begrudge someone for saying it, you know, like I'm not, I'm not bitter or angry about people saying that I understand but it's how how am I supposed to respond to that it cuts you out of conversations it makes you feel unable to participate and you know what's the response to that I just you know nine times out of ten in a lot of conversations with my friends who are parents and are talking about their children you I just end up staying silent which um for me at Kelly as you know is very difficult because I love a chat she loves to talk but I do think that it like two things can be true at the same time and this is such a key example of that because it's not like you're not happy for your friends and that's one of the things that I know you were concerned about you were like oh I don't want anyone to think that I'm bitter about it and another good example I have is I was sitting it was like eight years ago now and I was sitting in the car with a girlfriend who is a bit older than me and we were just sitting there and you know how sometimes you just have really honest conversations when you're not looking at each other but you're sitting in a car and she was talking to me about her friend who had fallen pregnant within a few months of meeting this bloke. And she was like, you know, just being really open and honest. And she said, it's not that I'm not happy for her. I am so happy for her. And I said to her, but you're thinking, when is it my turn? She goes, yes, exactly that. She goes, but I don't want to say that to anyone because then they're like, oh, can't you just be happy for your friend? She's like, I am so happy for my friend, but when is it my turn? Absolutely. And the fact that, you know, that that saying two things can be true at the same time is absolutely 100% so relevant to this situation. And I often feel the, you know, I have things in my life that uh, that take time that are important to me that, you know, are milestones, but I often feel like they're not, um, even though they're happening at the same time as my friends who are having these you know, their babies are having milestones or, you know, getting married, you know, everything relating to relationships and children, their milestones are happening at the same time as my milestones. But I feel that mine are not as important. And I feel like my friends aren't as interested in those. And so even though they're happening concurrently, I guess I feel like it is unfair of me to ask of the parents in my life to feel as excited or as interested in my milestones when they've got this huge, huge life change that's happened. So even though I'm absolutely thrilled and so excited for my friends, I often feel a a loneliness and and a frustration that my life is not as important. I feel like you've just unlocked this kind of part of my story that I had completely forgotten about because I was really late to get engaged and and have my little daughter Rue and I remember exactly kind of what you're saying being in those situations where the conversation all turns to this one subject and you're just so much on the outer and not being able to kind of like get in I used to be that person where I was kind of like oh this is really frustrating like 
there are more things to talk about. Like when guys go and hang out, it doesn't change the guy's dynamic, but for some reason for women, it totally changes our dynamic. It's like, we can't actually bring ourselves out of a motherhood chat to kind of make sure that we are catering to all of the different experiences that are within our group of friends. A hundred percent. I also want to acknowledge just hearing just that our exchange just then we're saying men and women and I want to acknowledge I'm a cisgender woman and this experience that I'm talking about is very much a heteronormative one. So there's a whole other side to this conversation that I can't speak to but I also think you know the queer experience in this realm is also going to be difficult and totally different. Um, I obviously can't speak to that but I just want to acknowledge that no that's a really good point because my good friend Wayne he won't mind me saying this he's desperate to be a dad and he was 40 this year and he's not in a relationship and he's like even if I get in a relationship with someone tomorrow it's not like either of us can just fall pregnant so then that adds like another layer exactly exactly and to your point key about you know mothers fit like inherently going to that subject I again I have such empathy for for new parents. I have been surrounded by it for for many, many years. And I've also had friends who have gone through postnatal depression. I've seen how fucked it is. And so I also know that it's literally for, for women, it's a chemical change in your brain. Every baby brain is an actual chemical thing. So I understand and I empathize, but the, to the point of two things can be true at the same time. It doesn't mean it's not frustrating. And I was at a picnic recently with um, some real amazing, amazing friends of mine who I absolutely love and adore, all of whom are parents, to, and, and we were getting together because we hadn't spent time together in a really long time. And we made the plans around the children. We'll go to a park. We'll have it at this time between naps. You know, it was to the schedules of the parents as it should be to make it easier for us to get together. I was sat in the middle. There was two of my beautiful friends to my left who have toddlers, two to my right who have newborns. And I was sat conveniently in front of the cheese board. And because I'm glad that it was there because I had nothing to do but eat for 30 minutes because the two to my left were talking about all of the friends that they knew in their friendship group who people who were pregnant and did they know what they were having and was it planned and blah 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 and then to my right my two friends with newborns were talking about all of the newborn stuff did yours do this did yours do that how are you going coping with this how's your partner blah 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 and again i understand how much female support is so imperative for new parents or parents in general women in general i get that that must have been you know, they were so engaged with each other and it was that newborn conversation was probably really helpful. But I just sat in the middle because I had nothing to contribute. And then, you know, that makes me sad. It does make me sad. And if the topic turns to me at any time or anyone, you know, if I'm in situations where you're talking about something other than children, the parents are distracted. They're watching where their children are. They, you have to come back to the conversation 10 times. I, I repeat myself the one question that I usually get asked, which is how is work? Because it's like you can't think of any other topics of conversation for people that don't have children other than how's your work going? And it, it, how's your work and how's your family? the two things that you get asked and but even when you're answering those questions there's no eye contact you're oh hang on a minute I've just got to go get the food or I've got to get the bottle or I've got to do this or oh I've just remembered something for daycare or blah 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 and and that's what a parent's brain is doing I I understand that and I empathize with that but it's really shit I think that you're probably a lot more empathetic than me because listening to that I just feel frustrated because you're saying, oh, you know, I was, of course, we should do it around their children and their schedule and everything. And I'm like, I get it. And some occasions do have to be like that. You know, like sometimes we've had dinner plans and all shit's gone to loose. So you've just come over. I've been like, do you still want, do you just want to come over? And I would have been so distracted with Lenny and with barking orders at Luke and whatever, but you do have to make time for things that don't involve the kids. Even with your friends, if everyone has kids in that group, you still need to make that effort because otherwise it just takes over your entire life. And there are so many different things to talk about. And your friendships are so important that you need to make that time, whether it's, you know, as simple as a coffee or a walk or a dinner or the weekends away. Like those are what 
your relationships with your girlfriends are just so important. And I just think that if you're not making that effort, it's going to be a real shame one day when the kids are that little bit bigger and you've only got your friends that potentially had babies at the same time as you. But then it's like, well, do we really have that much in common apart from kids the same age? Because with friendships that are older friendships and they're really beautiful, like you've got shared work history, just shared values, shared laughter, like over the stupidest things or like there's just so much more than just kids. I agree and I disagree with some of the things you said, Kel. I I think the key word is effort and I 100% this is what I this is the thing that I'm so scared to say because I don't want to offend any mothers. But I'll say it. We're most most mothers and we are open ears. Yeah, I open just ears. think that you can make an effort. That's that's what's stopping the the like but on both sides there needs to be effort on both sides and I think that a lot of parents will default to putting their friends last and not making that effort and I completely understand that because you know when you're an, especially a new parent but also you know when you're I mean you know you're not I wouldn't say you're a new parent anymore Kel and I know you know there's still so many things to do with motherhood that is so all-consuming for you and you know your your everything in your life shifts you, the emotional load the mental load I totally understand all of that but I do think that there's an element of making an effort that you that you could potentially actively add into your routine, like a text to your friends. You know, I do feel from many of my friendships that since they've had children, I am the one making 100% of the effort. And again, it does start to feel a bit shit. You know, it does start to feel like there's less of a care factor for you and your life and what's happening with you. And I realize that a lot of this sounds like I'm being so selfish, like me, 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 it has to all be about me. And that's not what I mean. So a really good example, Kel, about this whole participating in conversation thing is when we were in Tassie recently, the gastro, infamous gastro trip, we were at the markets and it was me and you, our friend Sammy, our friend Aja and her husband. Everyone in that group other than you is a big fan of AFL. We were talking about the AFL. We're talking about the grand final. We were talking about our teams. We were just having this nice chat about AFL. You interrupted so, you were so cranky and you said, can we please stop talking about AFL? Because I know nothing about it and I cannot participate in this conversation. And this is boring for me. And I literally in the back of my mind was going, can relate because this happens to me all the time about children but can you imagine if i stopped my friends and went can we stop fucking talking about your kids and nappies and teething and this because it's fucking boring and i can't participate like you can't because i'm rude i would if i was so bored i would always say in fact i probably have before to people that have babies like i would because i'm rude but i guess because it's part of my personality that i'm quite blunt I probably get away with it more than say if someone that's generally really nice to everyone is like, I I would really quite enjoy that if you ever just were like, shut up. Because I also told you sh- to shut up when you were talking about Taylor Swift. There were several times that weekend where I shut their conversations down because I was like, not interested. Well, it was 1989 release, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Needed to be said. I just think it's so interesting though to frame it in that way. It's like, yeah. I get it when people are talking about things that, I'm not into and I don't really want to talk about it. I never have the balls to say I don't want to talk about it. I just sit there like a mute. But I think it's interesting because like, yes, your kids can be your passion, but it doesn't mean that it's everyone else's passion too. Like maybe thinking of it like that, like you're not going to get offended because someone says, oh, I'm not into AFL. Let's talk about something else. Can we match that with the same energy of someone just being like, hey, we've talked about your kids for, you know, a good 35 minutes now. Exactly. And I guess maybe ask me a question, but like, in theory, yes. In practicality, scary. Yes, I guess I would say like it's just about awareness. Like think if you're having a conversation, if you're with all of your friends and, you know, you're all hanging out, just having awareness, like I, when I talked about that picnic, has, you know, I'm super aware of that type of stuff probably because of my own experiences. But it's like has someone not said something for ages and therefore maybe I should try and loop them into the conversation. On that note about the picnic that you referenced earlier, 
Did anyone in that circle notice that you hadn't spoken for the whole picnic? No. No. Well, it wasn't the whole picnic. I will say that. Like we de definitely, there was other conversations, but it was just a very stark realization for me because I was literally, you couldn't have written it. It was almost comical because I was sat right in the middle of the two pairs and in front of the cheese board. So I'm just sat there like mm, prosciutto, mm, olives, like just, just eating, <laughs> eating in silence because I had nothing to say, you know, on either side, but no, they didn't notice, which is surprising because I, love to talk and I'm very loud and anyone that knows me would say that but when I mentioned it to one of my friends Amelia um, and I said to her look I'm gonna she's she listens to your podcast so we were talking about that and I said I'm actually going on and she said why and I told her like as in what's your perspective and I told her and she said god I'd love to listen to that I said well I'm actually going to bring up this picnic and she went oh you see I was just sitting there going this is so helpful for me because Emma's daughter is just a few months older than her son. So she was in the newborn conversation and she goes, I'm, I was just there going, I need to absorb as much information from Emma as I can, which is so fair and so valid. You know what I mean? It's, it's perspectives. Mm. It's not malicious. It's that's the thing we have to remember. Not. It's yeah. just, yeah, the intent is, is not mean. It's just the awareness. 100%. And I think that goes for absolutely everything we have talked about. Neither no one, I hope, no one that is a friend of mine would ever do something intentionally to upset me, nor would I do vice versa. So you're so right. It's never about, you know, ill intent. I guess I hope that this conversation we're having encourages everyone on both sides to have more awareness. I have two delicious words for you, Kel. Shake station. Well, that sounds like something I'm about to get rather obsessed with. Go on, please tell me a little bit more. It's 7-Eleven's latest gift to us busy people who only love one thing more than sipping on delicious beverages, and that's convenience. Their new self-serve shake stations blend shakes, ice-cold frappes, and delicious smoothies right in front of you. Just grab a cup, pick your flavour, and at the top of a screen, watch the magic happen. Feeling thirsty yet? Okay, Reese, I am absolutely parched, so please run me through the delicious flavours. Okay, so for shakes, we've got classic, strawberry, banana, choc, double choc, choc oh, caramel, yum. and for a limited time only, a crispy cream original glazed donut inspired shake. Oh, yum. What about the frappes? Okay, these are going to be your jams. Stay cool this summer with mocha, ultimate choc mocha, caramel espresso, triple espresso, or triple caramel espresso. I need all of the espressos in my life, please. And finally, smoothies. Various combinations of banana, strawberry, mango and passion fruit and plenty more refreshing flavours. Um, Kel, where are you going? I'm going to 7-Eleven, duh. See ya. Shake station range and availability may vary. 7-Eleven, wonderfully easier. Wait, Kel, you didn't take my order! The other thing I'll say is there's, there's shifts with friendships that that come with age that may not have anything to do with children, right? You know, I can't go out. Like if I have a big night, I'm done for a while. Like I am, I can't party like I used to, but also with work, like sometimes I really need to get up very early. Sometimes I've got big, big things that I need to work on. Sometimes I need to bunker down on the weekend because I've got, you know, some work related things I need to do or family related stuff. And so there are things that have just come with age. As in, like, I don't want to go out partying with my friends at a mother's. I just want to see them. I just want to spend time with them. But often I do feel, and this is probably a me thing, like this may not be a general thing, but I often feel that there's this perception that people without kids, when they want to hang out with you, just want to go and drink and have a big night. And like, I would happily, happily, like I do with you all the time, Kel, come over to your place, have, have a home-cooked meal, watch a movie, or well, we never usually get around to the movie because we're just chatting the whole time, which is my favourite thing. I don't need to be out having at a bar. I don't need that. I just, it's quality time. And, you know, I, and that, to that effort piece, it might seem to a new parent or a parent in general, oh, if I'm going to go and see so-and-so, I have to get dressed up. I have to make sure my partner can watch the baby. I have to, you know, oh, God, will I be hungover the next day? And it's like that's I would I'm not asking for that. I, I'd just be asking to spend quality time with you with or without your child. I think something really interesting kind of popped into my head as you were kind of saying that is the one lesson I learned when I was younger and I haven't done a lot about it, but being late all the time and someone said to me, why do you think that your time is more valuable than my time? 
and I just was kind of gobsmacked when they said that, but I think this actually is really applicable to the situation of friendships and parenting Mm. in that dynamic of, of your friends that don't have kids is like, just because you have another human, your time isn't more important. It may be more scarce. Yes, but it's not more important than your friend that doesn't have kids. So there needs to be this kind of realization that, there needs to be an element that's fair across the board. And I think what you said is really interesting about the fact that it doesn't need to be going out and doing all that stuff. I think probably why a lot of people who have kids feel that way is because they think that they're boring. So they're like overcompensating, but really you just want quality time sitting on a couch, but maybe with not the kid there so that you can have the full attention of each other. I feel exceptionally boring since I had a kid. So I probably am constantly trying to overcompensate when I go out because I'll, yeah, because I just feel like I literally just think sometimes I've got nothing to add value here. I'm so fucking boring. Like head is just mush. So I think even the ability to carry a conversation to a certain point is really hard, but Something in that article that was really interesting was that study that they did, I think it was in the Netherlands, that they said about the age of three is when I think parents kind of come up for air because their kid's a little bit more self-sufficient or whatever. In your friendship group, have any of those friends had gone through the newborn stays into toddler phase, had more time and kind of that friendship's been able to be repaired? Or do you find that more often than not, the friendships that were probably destined to melt away for other reasons haven't been able to survive the what what did they call them in the title of the thing the detonators the detonators um, the detonators i would i have not lost any friendships i have felt shifts in friendships i also think it's so interesting when you know to, to hear you both say you know your brain is mush and you feel like you can't contribute and that type of stuff because we're essentially what we're saying is we're feeling the same thing I feel like I I can't participate in your world and you feel like you can't participate in mine. But we are like, you know, when it comes to friends, like Kel, you and I, we've known each other forever. We are as close as two people could be. And it's, I've never heard you say to me that you feel like you can't participate in conversations or you feel useless. Like I would sit with you in silence just to spend time with you and see you. And maybe I'm not also as you know maybe I'm not as honest with you as I could have been you know over the last Mm. couple of years and I think that again with that cut piece it's like everyone just wants the same thing and it's to spend time with each other it doesn't matter what that looks like why aren't we talking more about it as women especially Mm. you know how easy it is for the bloody men to go out and find some time to spend together very (laughs) And I, and, yeah. you know, we, let's, we, you guys have talked about this on the pod, the, you know, often uneven division of labor in parenthood, um, which and mental all, load and mental load, which is why I think it's, you know, it is harder for female friendships when, when these things happen. I'll also acknowledge that something that I find quite difficult is when the feeling that, oh, all of my friends are having children. So they're going to have this bond that I can't have. So they're Mm. going to get closer and they're going to have this inherent, deep, emotional bond through being parents that I'm not going to be able to participate in. You know, it's, it's really hard, like to, to feel, because it's, I feel helpless. I have, I want, I want children. I can't, I'm, I'm at the moment. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like it's in my near future and I just have this insecurity. That's what I'm looking for. I have this insecurity that all of my friends are going to eventually be part of this club that I'm not in. And it's, you know, that feeling like all my friends are hanging out and I'm not there and they're all talking about me. It's that, it's that same sense of anxiety. That's but it's like, like the, you're like, they're not talking about me. They're not thinking about me because I'm not part of this group, this kid yeah, and group. I'm not going to be able to connect with them in the way they can connect with each other. I think this is such an important conversation to have. It's it's in my mind. I do this anyway, regardless of like if I'm going to meet up with someone, I always try to remember the last time we talked and what the conversation was to do follow-up questions just to like, because I, I am like really self-conscious of always talking about myself. So something that I have kind of trained myself to do in order to not have that like crazy anxiety after any social interaction is to like have three questions going into it that I'm going to ask that person in order to feel like I've 
adequately paid attention to what's going on in their life. And I wonder if that's kind of something that people, mothers need to start to do as well when they interact with their friends that don't have kids. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love the three question thing. I think what I find is I'm so interested in all of my friends' lives and their children's lives. And I'm always asking questions, you know, like when Lenny, Lenny's obviously been through a lot of health stuff and I'm always saying to Kel, like, how did this doctor's appointment go? Or was that this week? And how's this, you know, because I am genuinely interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that often it's, again, it's an effort piece. And this isn't directed at you, Kel, because you out of every single person I know that has ever had a baby, you're, you're probably the best at making an effort. But I find in, when I'm in conversations with my friends that have children, regardless of where the conversation starts, it'll just always end up with me asking way more questions about them than back. And then when I'm like, I don't therefore like openly offer information about myself. <laughs> like I'm not going to be like, so this happened to me when it's not asked of me. And so then I end up, you know, participating in the conversation by just using other people's experiences. As in, if my friend's talking about their child, I'll say, oh, well, Ella, my niece, you know, she, you know, when she started eating, she did this or, you know, Scarlett, my best friend's daughter, she's, um, oh, she's just got two teeth and her teething is this. So it's, I don't have the experience, but to keep the conversation going, I just talk about other people's children. (laughs) And I think that it also means that people, as you said, they're not making the effort in knowing about your life. So they're missing out on a lot of really important stuff. Like I remember when one of your friends was pregnant, a good friend, and you were going through something really tough and they had no idea about it because they just never asked. And it wasn't the sort of thing that you were like, because whenever you did talk, they were like, oh, I'm seeing blah, blah, blah. And just talking all about pregnancy and baby stuff. And you didn't ever get the opportunity to talk about what you were going through. But then it's like one of your best friends had no idea of the hard stuff that was happening in your life. Like, do you think that you should talk to people about it? Like, I know that you don't, but you said at the start before we started recording, you were like, oh no, I've told people that I'll be talking about this. Like, do you Have you started to make that active effort to actually say, guys, just so you know, no one asked me about this or I'd really appreciate a girl's night out without the babies or whatever? I haven't. And can I tell you why? Because I, I put, I find it really hard. Like I'm just so understanding of what my friends are going through. Like, I don't want them ever to feel like I'm not supportive. I don't want them to feel like I'm upset with them. I don't want them to feel like they've done anything wrong because they haven't. Like, they are all, all of my friends who are parents and, you know, are brilliant and amazing and have had tough times. And I feel really selfish saying, you did the wrong thing. Like, I know it's unhealthy and my therapist would say to me, you need to have these conversations. <laughs> but it's I'm just... people pleasing. It's not even people pleasing. It's more so like I'm terrified no. of... I'm terrified that I'll upset them. I'm terrified that I'll offend them. I'm terrified that they'll think, yeah, that, it, you know, it's selfish or, or that it's coming from, from, you know, not from a good place or it's a jealousy thing or, you know, and that's 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 definitely a me thing. Like, that's not a them thing. But it's just, it's really, really, really hard as a non-parent to say to your friend who's a parent, you're neglecting me because it it, doesn't that seem ridiculous? Like, look what they're going through, like being a parent. Like I've seen you, Kel, like it's, as I said earlier, it's fucked. Like it's so hard and it's the biggest change that you'll ever go through in life. So who am I to say, you know, pay a bit more attention to me. Because other stuff is fucked too. Like I just think. Life in general is pretty fucked. Like people lose parents, people go through horrible breakups, people get fired from their jobs. Like there are so many fucked up things that happen and that are like hard times that aren't just having kids. So I think this is definitely something that you need to talk to your therapist about more because I think that you are afraid of voicing your needs and then people leaving you. Oh, all right, Miss Therapy. Um, I guess I am afraid of driving a wedge or making someone else feel self-conscious then post that conversation and making them feel like they have to do these things. You know, it's that classic thing. You know, my mum always says to me, like, I want your brothers to want to ring me. Like, it's, you know, you know that, you know, she gets upset because my brothers never ring. Yes, exactly. I, I want them to want to do it. I want your father to want to clean the dishes. I want my friends 
to want to make the effort. I want my friends to want to know what's going on in my life. And so, yeah, I guess it's, it's really hard. I think that's a basic human thing though. And I think that what happens is sometimes we just forget that and it makes it hard to remind people. And I think the reason you're probably scared is because the reaction, unless someone is very in touch with their emotions, very aware, but I reckon 98% of people are going to feel like it's a, it's attack on them. But I reckon a lot of those people will go away and reflect and send a message and say, Hey, I get it. Sorry that I reacted without kind of considering your feelings in it. So I do think there is something in saying it. That's what I think because, and I mean, also like this is coming from a parent's perspective. If you said to me, hey, I really need more, you're being a bit shit lately. I mean, you'd probably word it way differently. I would be like, oh my God, I have been. And it would just like wake me up a little bit. And I would actually want to know that information because like I say it to my sister, she'd be like, I just want my husband to do these things. And I'm like, yes, but everyone's love language is different and not everyone is a mind reader. And some people are just a little bit shit. And it doesn't mean they're a shit person. You've just got to give them a bit of a kick up the bum sometimes, which isn't easy for everyone to do, especially when they are the 98% of people that would cry. Even though we're saying this at the same time, I'm thinking like, just fucking have some awareness, parents. Like, you know, you, you worry about like losing your identity. So much of my identity is wrapped up in the friendships that I have. So I almost think that it's like the one thing that you can do as a parent is invest in those friendships to still feel like you are a person away from another little person, you know? So I do feel like it's a little bit unfairly somehow your responsibility to make them change. But I think all conversation is good conversation, but I think hopefully the parents listening maybe take a little bit on board. I have anyway. Anyone that's listening, just send this to your friends. (laughs) This episode was just really interesting. I thought you might like it. Oh, my God. Hint, hint. I think your point, Key, when you said, you know, your identity, you're going through an identity crisis becoming a mother. That's, I think, what I'm so conscious of. Like, I'm really conscious that of, like I said earlier, the mental and the emotional load. Like, how are you supposed to, to add on to that? Like, how am I supposed to add on to that for someone else? That's because what you're I'm a really person I know, that but does I'm have your really... own emotional and mental stuff going on. Of course, of course. But it's like new parents, especially new mums, barely have time to dedicate to themselves. And I'm like, give some to me, give some to me. You know, like it's it feels silly at times. And I sometimes I go back and forth between being like, oh, my God, Anna, like, you know, and, and it's I say to myself the thing that I hear all the time, which is you don't understand. You haven't experienced it. And I'm also, I think there's a level of fear that I'm, if I was to have these conversations, that's what I'd get back. Well, you don't get it. You'll get it when you're a parent. And again, the conversation stopper, you know? I was talking in the original friendship episode, the first one, I was like, so many of my friends have only met Len once, which is fine. They're not friends with him. Like, and I love you that you want to hang out with him, but I'm so also fine with my friends that don't because they're like, ooh, I don't particularly want to hang out with a kid. And I'm like, fair enough. He's not very nice. Anna, when you come over, he shouts at you most of the time. I was He's just not about an to say nice child. Lenny does not like me. But I will he continue like to anyone. try. I will continue to try. But the thing is, like to the point when when you said stop complaining about something you chose, I I happily listen to all of the complaints. Like I would never want any of my friends to feel like they can't talk to me about what's going on in their life. I just want it to be reciprocated. I just want to feel, I want space to complain with and and for there to be eye contact and not to be thinking and looking elsewhere and, and not to be distracted and to feel like my life is important and, and carries the same weight and to feel like our friendship is, is equal. And, and I will, to that point, you know, we've talked about this, Kel, in the same in relationships, any relationship. Sometimes if someone's at 30%, you need to bring yourself up to 70. And I'm fully, like, I believe that, you know, sometimes, you know, I think we're really good at that. You and I, Kel, you know, when we've each been through our different struggles, you know, sometimes if I'm going through something, but you're, what you're going through is a bit fucking harder, then I'll, I will, you know, pull back, you know, and go, well, my stuff can wait till later. We're really, really good at that. With my friends who have children, I totally acknowledge that there are going to be times when I just need to take a back seat and where 
priority wise, I just have to let them sort their shit out, deal with their stuff, support them as best I can. And my, what I'm giving to the friendship, that load is going to be higher on me than it is on them. And you know, that, that shifts and changes as time goes on. But I think it would be nice in, you know, for it occasionally, a bit more often, I guess, to be reciprocated or or more even. Long term, you can't be 90% of a friendship. That's not, and and, that's no healthy relationship. And especially not when like that to the point of the club and, you know, being the only one, and I'm not the only one, I'm a person I know without children at all, but, you know, to the point of as more and more, as I get, we get older and older and more and more of my friends have children, it's like, am I? I now giving 90% to all of my friends, to also to my family as women. Again, this is probably a generalization, but I I have two brothers and I 100% give, take on more of the load of the family things. So I'm in this position where my work is demanding. There's a lot, I'm, I'm, you know, that's a big load. My family, I have a big load there. And then my, all of, you know, in my friendships, I'm, I feel like I'm giving a lot more. So then where's where do I come into it? Like it's draining. And then guess what you do get from your friends? Gastro. Oh, you gave them gastro. Uh, yes. Uh, Make the, the, the load, different type Go of away. Load. Yes. Go away for the weekend. Okay. Come on. <laughs> let's go away. Oh, the worst flight yeah, of my life. Yeah, be careful what you ask for, Anna. <laughs> Oh, do you? Lucky I love you. This was actually just such a great conversation. And I feel like anyone listening, you know, it's definitely, I feel like it's going to be a reason to kind of like make more of an effort. And can I just say, you are probably the most empathetic person I've ever met. You're lovely. And I'm just going to give the mic away because I feel like I'm going to cry too. She's too nice. She's the person I have to scold her sometimes. Like she came over for dinner not long ago and our other friend was coming over too. And she's like, oh, I'm going to, I'll tell Sammy that I can drive her home. And I'm like, Sammy, if you're listening, it was my fault that you didn't get a lift home. Because I went, Anna, that will add over an hour onto your trip. Like she just, but she just does things like that without thinking about the repercussions for her then getting home extra late and then having to still get up and go to work the next day like she's just the most empathetic person I would like to say for the record that I do those things and your beautiful intro about cooking for people you know I do those things because I love because I I want to I don't do those things to get something back so again obviously because all you're getting back is gastro acts of service must be your love language like you like you get really fulfilled by doing those things. I 100%. I so prefer giving gifts and watching people open them than than getting them. And so I just, yeah, like I will always show up for my friends. I, 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 it brings me personal joy. It's like almost a selfish thing that I do all these good things because it brings me so much happiness. But, you know, I think effort, effort doesn't mean cooking me meals. Effort doesn't mean doing the same things that I do. Yeah. It's just letting me know you're thinking of me. That would be make me happy, you know. So, so yeah, I guess showing up in ways that make sense for, for, for me might not make sense for other people, but it's just I will recognise when someone is making an effort, whatever that looks like. Well, thank you, Anna. I think that there are going to be many, many people that send this to their friends or just be like, fuck yeah, these bloody bitches that don't. <laughs> It's going to help a lot of people and it will also help. I think it's going to be a bit of a wake up call to people that haven't thought about their friends for a while. And I hope no mothers hate me. (laughs) If someone does, they're not a good shitter because Anna's an OG fan and friend. No, please no one comment on the episode. She'll understand when she has children. (laughs) I'll I'll see you and I'll reply. (laughs) I think that that was so good. She's so was. eloquent and annoyingly empathetic. Have you ever met a more empathetic person? I like, don't think I have. Like I was like, oh, it makes sense that you are obsessed with this girl because she is just sunshine and cares so deeply about other people. So I think she was the perfect person to speak about this because I think anytime you're going to be criticising parents and then obviously the way that this kind of topic falls within genders of parents mm. in straight relationships as we're kind of speaking to here broadly – people get their back up but I think she was the perfect guest to really hopefully cut through that and kind of 
appeal to people and get some empathy because she was coming from the only biggest love. place of love. Only love. And that's such a good point. I hope that if you did hear her talk and for, I don't know why you would, but get your back up a little bit, that's probably your own, like you need yeah. to self-reflect on yourself and the way Definitely. that you've treated friendships because it would say a lot more about you, I suspect, Yeah, because she really does only come from a place of love and she's honestly just so understanding. Like the way she talks about people sometimes, I'm like, they sound terrible. <laughs> Although like, clearly them. I'm a little bit rude of, as we've we heard in that episode. But I just would also like to add because as Anna said, you just need to make sure that you do make the effort. Like I – and I think I've pulled you up on this before. You'll be like, oh, Charlie and I would have to get a sitter. And I'm like, no, you don't. Why wouldn't you just go out? I know. But you are really good. But sometimes I think people forget that they aren't a unit all the time. Like totally. they've got, they've, you've still got relationships with other people. So, you know, go to their house, meet up with their kids, but also make time for just you guys. Like go out for dinners, plan girls trips because it will make you feel astronomically better. Oh my God. Yes. Oh. The girls trip is so, I did my, well, we've just started. It was our first year after we did Bali. We just did the Noosa trip with all my girlfriends. The oh. Noosa. The Noosa. Noosa. And that was like life changing. It was like, yes, we need to do this. We need to invest in our friendships and have something to look forward to each year and like carve out this, you know, three or four days that we're just really like, we felt like teenagers again. Exactly. It so it's a fun. slumber party. It's so much fun. Yeah. You just, oh, it's just so important. And I know that people hear that and think, oh my gosh, it's impossible, but it's not. You just have to put the effort in. Yeah. Make it happen. You deserve it. You deserve it. As much it. as your friend that you're going to be doing it with. Like mm. it's not just for them, it's for you as well. Exactly. Because it will fill your cup more than anything else. And just remember, I'll keep saying it till the cows come home or whatever that saying is, your partner had a baby too. Yes. Okay. And likewise, they should go away on boys' weekends or girls' weekends or, you know, whatever partner it is that you're speaking about. They're entitled to that as well, but everyone should have their own time. But that's all for today. I hope it's been a little bit helpful. Yes, I have certainly loved it. I think Key and I both, like, even though we're quite conscious and sensitive to these things, I think that we both still definitely will reach out to a couple of people oh, I took go, so much away from that mm. and just just being more mindful that you're just understanding of other people's circumstances who aren't in the life phase that you are exactly and also AFL sucks uh, <laughs> that is <laughs> uh, if you love the pod as we said at the top of the episode please share us on your socials and let us know what you think and what you want to hear you can tag us on Instagram our handles are at Kiris at Kelly underscore McCarran and at ASSR.pod. This episode was produced by myself, Kiri Searles, and Kelly McCarran with audio production by the gorgeous Claudia Coy. Bye. Bye. This episode of Eat, Sleep, Shit, Repeat was brought to you by 7-Eleven Shake Station. 7-Eleven, wonderfully easier.